Hey everybody, and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Vic Cedeno. Today's guest, my buddy, Artie Dell. Arthur Dell. I didn't know even know he had a real name. I always thought it was Artie Dell. Sometimes you meet people in comedy and you don't know that they're going by a suit on them, but sometimes you assume they're going on by a suit on them and it's not a suit on them and that's actually their real name. And that's Artie. Artie Dell, that's his real name. Artie's a retired uh captain from the North Bergen Police Department and he's also now an aspiring uh stand up comedian. So I brought Artie in to uh to have a conversation. Been looking to talk to him um actually on a show at his um his uh, club that he's a member at, the Wawa Social Club in North Bergen. They're doing comedy shows there now. So uh, the Hell Yeah Comedy Show run by Josh Wells and Aaron Wahlberg is this Friday, uh, February 7th. And uh, that should be a good show. It's free to get in. And that's a $10 for a cup. $10 for a cup. And then you can just drink from the keg until it kicks. I'm very excited about that. So I'm going to bring a nice fresh crispy ten dollar bill make sure i get my cup nothing like a cup with the open-ended keg um so i'm looking forward to that and uh yeah we had a really good conversation uh Artie does a lot of um work with uh he's got a uh, non-profit organization that deals with um you know servicemen that commit suicide and uh he's very big into mental health so you know so we talk about that uh, we just talk about comedy in general and just shoot the shit. It was really uh, fun to talk to him. And um, I'm interested in bringing on different guests. And, and he was uh, somebody that I knew I was going to have a good conversation with and enjoy talking to. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. So I'm just going to let this bad boy begin. All right. So here's Artie. Bye. stand-up comedy comedy night at the saloon that was like the first poster i ever got oh yeah 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 you gotta talk it to this we're gonna we're gonna we're already we're already going we're in we're going bro no headphones no nothing nothing no headphones not with this because i hear the playback and it's with usb mics the way i have this thing set up oh dude you're talking to a guy who knows nothing about yeah, fucking technology i had to learn all this like i'm like oh usb mics plug and play like that's all you yeah. need no but the computer like microsoft and apple only recognize one microphone plug-in at a time so if you do dual it still only recognize one like wavelength so i needed to get like some other application that takes both wavelengths and mixes oh, it into i'm out already bro <laughs> <laughs> bro but this is if such I got a pro- simple... if i got problems with like fucking instagram i just freaking close Dude, out the fucking app i'm like fuck this me... so i get my kids to fucking help me don't tell I me say, about I don't problems know shit. don't tell me about problems with instagram bro <laughs> i gotta retreat once a year just oh to... yeah pick the you pick the fucking shortest month of yes, the year though yes exactly or was it for black history no it just you know what <laughs> that shit just happened 
And it's funny talking to you about this too, because I saw that last podcast you were on and, and the, the foundation you started. Yeah. Right. And it has to do with suicide and stuff. So my first social media break actually came from my cousin's like boyfriend, husband, you know how us Puerto Ricans do, you know, like he committed suicide, like right before New Year's Eve. And that was somebody that was like close with us, with the family and everything. So when he did it, it hit me like it was it, it made me look at myself and How old? see him was maybe 32 oh yeah i think yeah he was a How young old guy were you at the time no this was oh, right this before recently? i started comedy yeah oh, this yeah. is right before i started comedy 2 years ago um and when he did it it just made me look at myself and how fragile like i was like damn if he could do it and like something pushed him and i think about it but then I always say, like, I'll never do it. But what could make you snap that makes you do that? Yeah, man, you, you got to be saying? so like, down and have no other. And you have, like, you feel like you have no other choice. And it's, like, it's an escape because, like, the, the everyday pain is so much more than you just, you know, like, you want to sleep and go sleep forever. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It's, it's just that it's an escape from the pain. Like, everybody exactly. says... um, you know, like you made a, um, like a non-permanent uh, incident, like a permanent solution. Like, um, but really, the the people are just like searching for peace, pretty much. So yeah. like, you really can't. Like, I I would never knock somebody who does it. Like, people always trying. Like, I've Fair heard people coward, say like coward right? or the, the, first the hard way out. Of. But like, yeah, yeah. you have no idea like the pain that they're they're Ooh. going through, and it's just like just let me out of this pain. You know, that's I feel like it's like a lack of empathy when people say that like they maybe they'd have never like known like that for me that was like the closest person i think that i knew like i'm his daughter's godfather like she's the same age i was when i lost my dad and my dad i always looked at my dad almost the same as suicide my dad died of aids from using heroin so in my mind before i knew anything about drug addiction or anything i always thought my dad would just like drugs more than me mm. so i looked i wrote my dad off like if he was a suicide like probably with the same kind of anger that like a kid would grow up with resentment and yeah shit, you know so when he did that that was like a switch for me and i was like oh shit like my mental health all right so i was like what's the fucking number one thing where i'm expressing anxiety and all this pain and anger and I was like, fucking social media. Like, that's a breeding ground. Like, so, yeah, that, yeah. yeah so I was like, all right, I got to get off. I got to get off. For, like, I, I don't know where the fuck that came from. Like, the idea of a social media break and actually, like, I think it's like, it. it's, a, it's isn't it a popular thing? A lot of people. Yeah, uh, apparently. Like, then like I started looking it up. Or whatever. Yeah, and people take it, like, Almost like that sober stuff. October type of deal, but with uh, exactly. social media. Vic History Month. That's what that is. That's <laughs> the short one. <laughs> nah, man, that's fucking... But it's like the escapism. See, when I say I like when I say, see, I never, I've never gone to talk to somebody about it because it's like a, a a thing of shame. Like men are supposed to carry that shit and hold it in, and you know, you're like you don't talk to nobody about your feelings. Everything's fine, you know, like you're okay. Like, like that's the mentality that I come from. So, but I've grown to like, I've been forced by the legal system to talk about it like with people you know what i mean so they yeah well if you like that other podcast or whatever uh if you listen to the whole thing how i went on about like 
being sexually abused as like a child and stuff. Mm -hmm. I held that shit in for like the longest time. It made me an angry fucking guy, like Mm -hmm. to, to everybody, just attitude, angry, but like people had no idea, you know, what the hell it was about because I wouldn't tell them what it was about. Like Mm -hmm. my parents, uh, teachers, all of like people tried to reach out to me, obviously coaches that I, that I had. Um, and like, try and say like, Hey, what, you know, what's wrong? Like what's going on? I'd be like, nothing, 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 nothing's going on. But like shit was going on and I held it in for so long. But now that I've let it out and I just say it out loud, like, Hey, I didn't fucking do it. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't my fault. It's not like, uh, I'm revealing the fact that, Hey, uh, this one time I killed somebody, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, it's like, I Something got taken advantage. Yeah. I got, I got taken yeah. advantage of as a little kid, but like, there's a whole lot of like shame, you know, wrapped up in that. And homo, I think there's like a, um, almost like an inherent, um, what's that shit called? Like homophobia. Yeah. Well, obviously you're, it. you're Hispanic. So yeah, like yeah, the, the Hispanics are the biggest, one of the biggest homophobes, uh, on yeah. the planet. You know, and everything is about too. We brought, we produce Ricky Martin right? <laughs> <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm sure you can make a bigger right? list than that. <laughs> no, but like, like. I don't know, like, when you look at, like, the shame of it, because, forget about the shame, but you're talking about, like, the chip on your shoulder that you were carrying. Do you think that chip that you were carrying fueled, like, because you also had an impressive career, like, behind it? It wasn't like you went the the other way. Kind of the the chip on my shoulder when I was younger was that, uh, like, I used to love to fight, quite honestly, like, love it, you know, Mm -hmm. only because most of the time I used to win. Like, even, it wasn't like I picked on kids like little kids or anything like that Mm -hmm. like i'll fight the biggest guy in the room you know but it was almost like that uh that anger was like the fuel to to help me win or whatever and it let out all this aggression stuff like that um but as i got older you can't run around and go fight people but i also wanted to be a good like i I think i am a good person it just happens to be that i was you know mentally fucked up for like a long time Mm. so um, once you get older, you can't fight anymore. I became a cop. You can't run around in the street. I'll be the guy on the newspaper, you know, for, for getting into a fight. Like it's, it's happened before, um, where guys get into bar fights or whatever. Next thing you know, your pictures on One the front, thing, yeah. front, front page. So like that, um, like you're saying that, that fuel then turned into like obsession over my career. So like, um, when I would take promotional exams and things like that, I, I would be like, I would almost treat it like a fight. Like, mm. um, I took, Training. I was, yeah, I was eligible to, to take the sergeant's test. I made eligibility by one month. You needed three years on the job as a, as a police officer to take the, the sergeant's exam. So I had three years in one month when the, when the application came out or whatever. So I filled out the application. I took the test against like 65 other guys in my department that mm. had 20 something years on the job, but like I said, I treated it like a fight. Like I was like, none of these motherfuckers are going to beat me. Um, you know, and I, I did, uh, obviously some people beat me, but I, I did really well. Um, yeah. And I wound up becoming a sergeant with like four and a half years on the job by the time they, they came around, the results and getting promoted and stuff like that came out. Mm-hmm. So I was a, like a really young sergeant. I just kept like all that anger and aggression. I turned it into like studying for tests. Um, I was officer of the year uh, in 2008 in my department, just things like that. Like it, I turned it around. It wasn't, um, violent. It was more like, uh, career productive, but mm-hmm. I also like never took time off. Like I constantly ever, went to work. Did and, you ever think you could like, you were like, all right, this is a legal avenue of violence. Like I could express it. Uh, yeah. I guess, <laughs> like, legal, uh, well, you know I mean? like, things, things change the with right? the, uh, yeah. 
things change with the uh, with the inception of cell phone cameras and, oh, and yeah, all that stuff. Like body when I yeah too. when I first came on a job, like things were things were a lot different. You could do yeah. do some uh, do some different things that you'd wind up being in jail for now, which are not even they may not even be criminal. It's just the wrong um, the wrong visual that you would I guess send out. Like you know all those a lot of those videos are just cut up and edited. Just to um, make a point. Yeah, just to yeah, yeah. just to make the cop look bad. Like I'm, yeah. I'm. There are bad cops out there, but there's way more good cops. But like when you see a lot of those videos online, they're taken out of context or they're mm-hmm. edited, or you don't you didn't see what the guy did, you know, yeah. b- right before the thing happened. But I want to ask you about I want to ask you about a funny story about a sergeant because I did research. So there was a story that just had me laughing. I want to ask you about it but before I want to wrap up this thought about, um, like, the the. The anger you had, right, as being someone that was abused as a kid and not being able to talk about that, right? So you had like some, you had a childhood trauma that you had an outlet and you wanted to fight, right? So you went out and fight. See, I had childhood trauma of, you know, being a kid that lost his dad and then being angry about it. But the rage I had inside, I knew was inherent. As a little kid, like I was talking about this before in another podcast, like just as a little kid, I always learned from my environment and I just knew not to like do things. So I knew inherently from my family that I had rage issues. So when I started feeling this rage, I developed fear and not the outward anger. So I always avoided conflict. I always ran from fights. I never like... Like I, my my shit came out verbally, and I was really sarcastic and humorous, and it came out that way rather than like aggressive fighting. Yeah, that I, that's why you're a way better comedian than me, because <laughs> you've been. Uh, and a lot of these guys, like uh, guys and girls that 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 are in our circle, uh-huh. they're way better comedians because they've been using their voice as opposed to their fists for so long. Mm-hmm. Where. I'm like, hey, I had an idea for a bit. I want to try this out because I was a big fan of comedy. Yeah, but yeah. like, uh, I don't have that. Like, even when you guys roast each other and stuff like that, like, it makes me want to yeah. fight. Yeah, I like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, you were there for that. That were you there no, that no, one no, night? I, I the, heard with, about yeah. it. <laughs> so like, it's. I mean, it just it's it's, not for it's a different switch yeah, for yeah, it's yeah. a different switch for me. But like, I think if. If I took your route and I used words as opposed to to violence or, or fighting, then I'd be right in that roasting game or whatever. But like my initial like reaction is like, oh yeah, you want to make fun of me? Let's go then, man. Let's fucking let's throw down. When really it it, it doesn't come from like a bad place. I, I realize that now. Like like if you guys are roasting each other or whatever, it's it's not really coming from a bad place. But like. Dude, I don't uh, roast anybody I don't like. Well, yeah, well, that's if what I, I that's yeah, what I don't I've... fuck with you. There's no I'm not going to joke with you. Like if I joke with you, like for me personally, if I joke with you, like I like you. Because if I don't like you, I just don't talk to you. Like I don't fuck with you at all. Yeah, like, I'm the same I'm the same way, but like I'm more like, "Hey, bro, let's, you know, let's let's be cool go, and stuff like that." But I I'm not I think there's uh, a progression to roasting. Like you got to test the waters with some people. You know what I mean? Do a little joke here, maybe like a beard <laughs> joke, you know, or like a a gut joke or something and then like but I think some people like they like pushing the boundaries. See, that's what makes people comedians too. Is that that willingness to push the edge and like willing to get, like you're really gonna risk getting punched in the face for a joke. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, now you're hot about it. Now I got a button. It's like, oh, bro, it's it's so hard not to resist. Like, 
it's so hard to like resist not pushing that button like you see it and you're like oh man but it's gonna be so funny i know if i say this it's gonna set them over the edge and like i think it's hilarious too to like be able to bring but then you have to deal with the consequences you know what i'm saying and you might have to wear it and then the next day like (laughs) then it's a funny story for a while remember that time you got your ass beat because you're Yeah, I've heard of like even famous comedians have stories of guys coming up on stage and cracking them one or, or yeah, whatever. So, man, like, um, but I'm I'm the, really not for the whole the like risk. I don't know if it's like if it's my age or like what the deal is, but like I'm like ah uh, like if it's a funny joke and yeah it's funny, but like mm. for you to just continually go after me and quite honestly, it makes me feel like hey, I have no other resort because. I'm not really good with my words. Like I still suck yeah. at this whole thing. So I'm like, all right, then let's fucking fight instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get somewhere to so even yeah. the fucking score. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, now we're it. even. I get it. But it's that's what I'm saying. Like that style of humor is not for everybody. Yeah, no, it's not. You know, it's not the for same me. people that'll pay money for and and a drink minimum to see com like stand up comedy would not be happy if there was like a roast in the middle of it. Like they would think, like, why were they saying this to each other? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like some people, like I've, I did like I don't even like doing roasts. Like you haven't seen me do a lot of roasts. I did like the roast of friends, like when I know it's not like a competition roast. Yeah, I think if it's if it's set up almost like uh, how like Comedy, Comedy Central, Central does roast, it, thing, those then I'm, then you know what uh, you're yeah, you know yeah. what you're there for, you know what you're in for yeah. and stuff. But like Get for somebody to just and go, for you know. somebody to be at an open mic and then turn and start, you know. Uh, you know, maybe that's, that's different. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, because you know what? Then, see, that's different because at the same time, um, then it it almost becomes like you're using me. At, you know what I mean? Like to get. Oh yeah, I said I said expense, a uh, you know? yeah. The night that that thing happened, I was like, oh, you're lo- using me as like a life preserver. Yes, you're up there bombing out a dead open mic, yes. and you're trying to use me as a as a life preserver. That's but then that's you picked the wrong guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's <laughs> aggravating too. No, I can definitely see. You. Why that would make like if I was angry. there for that, then I you can't say anything. Like if it was like, hey, the roast of this or that, yeah. and we're going around the room, then I know what I'm there but for. I don't, I don't want to do. I don't even want to do competition roasts. Where it's yeah, just that like wouldn't be my. One. That's not my thing. I just yeah, exactly. It's just not my thing. Like I, um, Eliazar, um, you know, yeah, from South Jersey. Yeah. He he um, I've, he asked me to be on a couple and like tw- once, um, once I had to cancel because I had fucking. Um, I got shingles. Oh yeah, yeah. I got shingles last year around what are you, this time. Eight years old. Oh my god, bro, it was the worst, bro. Don't ever, bro. If That's you ever like, get uh, shingles, re, uh, revamped like chicken, chicken pox, pox right? man, for adults, old yeah, yeah. people, chicken pox, man. I don't know what the fuck I was going through last year, bro. It seems like every year. Oh, it's probably str- it's stress related, right? Yes, one hundred percent. And I'm I'm starting to realize that every year around this time, and um, a friend of mine that I have on the podcast regularly, Angel, he said. Something I never heard of, surprisingly, and it was holiday hangover. Oh yeah, I fucking hate the holidays. Like, I did not know that even existed. Like holiday hangover, what are you talking about? Like the holidays are a good time, and then you move on, and then like, then it was like the the suicide. Then last year it was shingles, and now this year it was fucking Kobe. Like sent me into a depression for like a week and a half. Yeah, like, no, that, that's everybody. You know like, what I mean? Like I was like, fuck, man. I was just identifying with too much for that shit. And then I'm like, is it this time of year that just does have me down? Because I was like already feeling it leading up to it. And then Kobe just sent me into a fucking tailspin. 
You know what I mean? I'm only a fan of two holidays. I like uh, St. Patty's Day and Thanksgiving. That's oh. about it. The rest of them, I could give drinking two shits and about. Yeah. <laughs> drinking and eating. Drinking and eating. You stopped drinking, right? You said uh, you slowed yeah, down. I, or you yeah, no, stopped? I totally took a break since uh, I'm, I got like almost two months now. I think uh, Josh's party was the was the last time. So what is that? December 14th or oh, wow. somewhere around there, 11th, something like that. That's so, But I feel a thousand times better you know yeah. like um how much were you drinking before that not a, not a lot I, like back in the day I, I drink a ton like when i was dealing with all my uh head case issues and stuff like that oh. i was drinking a ton like um but a couple of beers here and there but like as i get older it like the let's say you have four or five beers it's gonna t- it takes like two days to to get over and then for, i started realizing that it fucks my mood up for like a week you know mm. like even I might not have been like hammered or hungover or anything like that, but for some reason it's a depressant. So like mm. it kind of just, uh, you know, unevens my friggin' uh, unevens my mood for like almost a week. It's a lot of calories you put on. Too. Yeah, yeah, like you put like you're packing in, and um, yeah, and I don't drink hard. I've always drank beer just only. Just beer, like, yeah, yeah. And beer is like you figure like each beer is like 175 calories, 150 calories. Yeah, you're so friggin' bloated, pissing you all drink night. Five and, of them, and it just your body takes so long to to um, process it and it overworks itself and you're like dehydrated on top of it and then the frequency too that's what i noticed too with comedy like the frequency like, like i wasn't you're out every uh, every yeah, other night at I'm least not drinking or... i'm not getting drunk every night i'm just having a beer yeah, or just, two yeah but then like at the end of the week that's 12 beers yeah. or something you know what i mean like because you're like holy shit man like i'm it is like it does add up and then it does fuck with your mood too because it is mood altering you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so it's you a, have this it's a thing. depressing. I, I don't need any help but friggin' depression. No, fuck <laughs> that, bro. Nah, man. Now, I'll, the funny story I was looking at because I was I was doing research. I had wrote stuff down and everything. I was like trying to be a responsible podcast <laughs> producer, and I was like, oh look, I, you know, because not every day I have somebody. I, I don't have any guests on. Like I just started doing guests, so like you're like a person that has actually a Google, like where you Google somebody and you have like oh, oh what, this person what's, has, what the hell's on there. Oh, you never Googled yourself? No. Come on, bro. Look, we're gonna look. I at can it always right say, uh, I can always say it wasn't me. We're looking at it right now. So I, I thought Dell, like I thought Dell was a, a like a comedy. No, uh, it's that's my name. I don't know what it's. Name. I don't know what it's shortened from. My father's, uh, my father's from Panama, but his mother was from uh, Barbados, and then my mother's a hundred percent Irish. But um, they. Like it had to have been shortened from something, Dell something, Della. Yeah, something. that's what I was thinking. Like, but it was it's just straight up D E L, and everybody's oh, like, shit. "Oh, that's it." Or like people will add the extra L because of the computer. Ooh. And um, but like, yeah, it's just three letters. That's it. This is the story right here. Um, where did it go? The principal, the vice principal oh. crash. <laughs> now, I'm not. I'm not even gonna look at this. I don't even know anything about this. I'm gonna hide this because. I didn't care to have like visuals while talking about it, um, but this was a vice principal that that got into a, a crash, and when the cops get to the scene, he's sitting outside of his car, right? And he's obviously they're like, all right, obviously this guy's intoxicated, and I don't, I didn't understand the specifics of why it was like important to the case, but your like recording of the dialogue you had with the officers because you were the sergeant at the time. Yeah, I was right? a sergeant the, on a desk. Yeah, the desk sergeant at the time. So they call into you, and um, 
And I guess the conversation that you had with them was like crucial to the proving that this guy was intoxicated. And it was like because this guy was like, I guess, a vice principal of the high school or something. It was like a high profile case. So it had to fall in. But like, was this? Like, well, was I it? wasn't on the street, so I don't even know what happened on the street. I was just inside headquarters and they called yeah, me up. Yeah, it was yeah. just your recording. Like, that's how that's why the article came up. And then I'm just like thinking like. All right, I know you didn't have you weren't involved with the case, but all of my all of a sudden I'm thinking of like it's always like the the person in like a high school or like the church that's like the biggest like or like the politician that's like the biggest anti something that like I see this guy being like an anti drunk driving <laughs> like <laughs> advocate like he's on the the mad squad at school. Yeah, no, I doubt you it. Know? But um, yeah, they just called me up for like for advice and the whole thing went into like an investigation, which I, I had nothing to do. I had nothing to do with it, yeah, yeah. but I was just at the desk. And then, you know, when people get wind of certain things that happen, they start making phone calls to other agencies, other people, uh, you know, above, uh, whether it be FBI or prosecutor's office or whatever like that. So, um, you know, they made some phone calls and I, I like, I, like I said, I had nothing to do with it. I didn't see mm -hmm. him. I didn't let him go. Um, basically I just fielded a phone call at headquarters and the next thing you know, freaking I'm in the jackpot, but there's, <laughs> the dude fucking there's a ton of, there's case. a ton of incidents that happen like that on a daily basis where you might not be the guy involved somehow, like you wind up getting wrapped up in, in something, whether you forgot to leave a report, whether, you know, you answered the phone and somebody called you and you wind up, your name winds up in the paper when really you had nothing to do with it. You know, That's fucking crazy. So that just happened to be a time where I answered the phone, and that was it. And you got wrapped up in a case. Yeah. Now you you did um you did time in the military. Did you see any action? No, I uh, I was in the reserves in the army reserves. So um, basically, I got I I don't know how I got lucky, but every time uh, my unit was supposed to go to Iraq um, during the 2003 back then after um, like 9/11 when when they started going to Iraq mm. and. Right before we were supposed to go, I got transferred to a different unit. Um, so I went from a combat MP unit in out of Queens to a um, port security unit out, of, out in Orangeburg, New York, up uh, up there, like uh, up to PIP. Mm. And then I didn't get deployed. Um, and then I wound up getting out in 2006. So I did my whole like eight years in the in the reserves without getting a call. I, I went in in '98 and I uh, got done in uh, 2006. Good. Yeah, That's and while good. all this conflict was going on, you had uh, Afghanistan mm -hmm. and Iraq going on at the same time, and I just wound up like not not by choice or anything, just getting transferred, and that transfer eliminated me from going to Iraq with like that unit. Um, the um, 340th MP company, they wound up going to Iraq like three or four months later after I got transferred. Holy shit. Did you ever stay in touch with those guys? Yeah, I'm still friends with a, with a bunch of guys. And then even my um, my uh, battle buddy from, from basic training, mm -hmm. he's a Massachusetts state trooper. So him and I are really tight. He actually just um, listened to that other podcast that I was on and texted me uh, yeah. over the over the weekend. Yeah, nice. and then... Um, a couple of years ago when those two New, two New York City cops got um, shot and killed, they were sitting in the car and a guy just walked up and oh, killed them both. Yeah. Um, when we went to the funeral, I wound up seeing him at, at the funeral. He came down from Massachusetts and, and we hooked up at the funeral over in the city. 
So, and then I've been up and down to like Boston. He's been back here to to see me a bunch. So he's the one that I've I've kept in contact with the with the most. That's probably like the best part of like the army and like police officer. Like it's all like camaraderie. Yeah, camarad. But I mean, it, it's it's cool. You'll like you'll have your five friends. Like you'll think, um, people think, Hey, you work like I worked in a 120 man department. Mm. You think that 120 people are your fr- 119 no. people are your friends. If you get five good friends out of your 20, 25 year career, you're friggin' lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of people, they look, it seems shit like, uh, like with comedy, like where they're jealous of what, either what you got, or they're looking to stab you in the back. They're looking to rat you out to take your yeah. rank. Like, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's like, high, it's basically, I say high school with guns. You know? High school with so, guns. Holy shit. The same, all the same stuff from high school, the rumors, the, um, you know, uh, talking shit about people, ratting people out, sending anonymous letters. All it's it's all the same. It's all the same thing. You know, like you, mm. you think brotherhood, you think camaraderie, but really everybody has a tight knit group of five five friends that they're friends with. Mm. Just like just like when you were in high school, you had your you know your five that you rolled with, and that, and that was it. No matter how many kids you had in your class, you had your your little group. It's the same thing, like. With the um, army. Yeah, with the army and with the uh, police work you, and stuff. You think it's even more like with police? Do you think the, like a camaraderie with police officers is more than with military? Because I feel like military, not everybody's there for the long haul. Like some people just want to do their four years or however long they need and get the fuck out. Yeah, I guess if, well, military is a lot tighter if you're deployed in a combat situation obviously oh. everybody's rely you know relying upon each other for uh life for you to say yeah, yeah for you to save my life um i mean it's kind of the same thing in policing but like in policing if you're in the you know the school division if you're in the traffic division it's not like you're in the SWAT team or um you know it's mm. not it's not that uh that hey man you got to save my life type of thing that's going on every single moment of the day but you, you get know, that come you get that camaraderie with police. I don't know if it's like that in in the military where you don't like you have that blue wall. Right? Yeah, that, that that's, that's all that's bullshit like, now. The, um, yeah, yeah, they like, call it the blue wall of silence. Like yeah, yeah, that yeah. was that was pretty prevalent. Like in, uh, I would say like the forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, maybe even like the to like the mid eighties. But now you, if you take a kid and you're like, hey, you're gonna tell us what happened. You know, when internal affairs or prosecutor's office or whatever gets mm. gets a hold of one of the guys or girls that you work with, and they're like, "Listen, we got this, we got that." They're all right. They're all there's no there's no yeah. silence. They, everybody's looking to save themselves nowadays. Because yeah. I feel like the camaraderie you get, because like you were in law enforcement, I was in something similar. I was in rule enforcement. I was in security, right? <laughs> Working security and and uh, uh, damn, I did security and. In like a building where I just sat in the little booth. But then like, you know, the other guy. But like, you know, if this shit pops off, it's two in the morning. It's like you and the only other guy that has that same uniform. Like, you know, it's just you and him. So like, I have no idea who this guy is. I clock in for weeks and barely talk to this guy. Like, I don't even remember his name now. If you know what I mean? Like, that's how much I talk to him. But. We had the camaraderie that if something else happened, it was me and that guy versus whoever the fuck else it was. And, like, same thing with bouncing. Like, I was bouncing at Satin Dolls. And, like, 
anything happens, like, you know, you and every other guy with a black T-shirt that has the flashlight. Yeah. It's like it's you versus everybody else in the fucking club. And, like, I'm like, damn, I, like, I get that. Like, you have to have that to go out and put your life on the line with people, you know what I mean? Like, you have to be able to look across the fucking, look at, at this other guy and be like, all right, I know this guy has my fucking back. You know, some yeah, shit pops but, and then, people. Uh, Except if you're in Patterson PD. Like, su- I heard Patterson PD. Surprisingly, like, up. there's there's some people that, that you work with in policing that you're like, all right, everybody ready? You turn around and they left, you know, or they take the extra long route to get around the block when, when the fight call comes in or shots fired call or something like that, instead of taking the most direct route, you'll see that guy take the, take the long way to, you know, get to the job. So Mm. it's just like anything else. You're throwing a bunch of people uh, from all different walks of life, all different types of childhood trauma, um, you know, or some, some of these guys become cops and they never had a fight in their life. Not that you need, like, yeah. fighting is a prerequisite. But, Getting like... punched in the face there's is like, nice. Yeah. Like, it's a good like, thing to learn. You have, like, <laughs> people that are aggressive, people that are timid, um, people that just took the job because they want the benefits. Um, so you mash all that together and it's really not what the people think. Like, mm. you grab one of them and you're like, hey, remember when uh, you guys arrested that guy the other night? Uh, we have this and that. You know, you did this wrong. You did that wrong. And they'll be like, no, he did it. Uh, that uh, one did it. I told him to do this. They'll yeah. wind up ratting everybody out. Or, like I said, you got the guy that takes the extra long way around the block or the guy that tells you he shows up to the job late and he's like, oh, sorry, man, I was in the bathroom. Mm. Like, uh you know, stuff like that. So like the same stuff that you would encounter in your everyday life, these are the same people that get mashed together and they're like, Hey, all right, go ahead, go be cops. You know? So what you perceive as like being so tight and it's really not that way. Like there's guys walking around that hate each other's fucking guts, guys and girls. And like, you can't even stand the sight with them and next stay in the sight of them. Next thing you know, you're stuck in a fucking car with them for eight Mm. hours. And you know, you know, it makes it seem like it's much more of like the blue wall of silence, you know, what makes it more seem like the, the police groupies. You know what I'm uh, talking yeah, about? Yeah, I guess, like, yeah. The people that aren't cops but still have like the blue, f- that gray flag with the blue stripe yeah, yeah, on yeah. it and shit. And be like, you're not like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, there's so many people I know that like, they swear like they're like borderline police officers. Like they, like they'll, they, you know, they will turn you in in a minute. I feel like they're like a fucking move away from a citizen's arrest. I feel like some people just glorify. Yeah, everybody. Uh, firemen so have that much. a lot too. Firemen have yeah, like, too, yeah, right? that chase them around and go to fires to and firemen, bro. take take pictures firemen. of uh, take pictures of them and stuff like that. But like, yeah, Fuck I think I guess. <laughs> I got it, bro. I have a, I have a thing. Ever that's since that's the best job on earth, bro. If ever I could since, do it all over again, I'd be a fireman. Nah, man, fuck that. Ever since I had that ex girlfriend that she told me about, um, this fucking fireman that she used to fuck, bro. That shit never made me. That made me more insecure as a man than anything I've ever heard. Like she just told me, like she, I was, I'm bro, I work in customer service. Like, what am I gonna do? You're, t- you're fucking, this, like, you tell me this story about this fireman that fucked you doggy style on the fire truck, and then here I come home with my fucking book bag with a trapper keeper in it and shit like get fuck out of here and i was like that shit ruined me bro my house could be on fire <laughs> i don't give a fuck and i'll call in the fireman <laughs> turn the water on let that shit run the fire will stop bro because you're gonna fuck every single guy that shows up to the fucking fire bro you made me think of an interesting question though like because you rose 
to the rain. Like, I didn't know. Like, when I met you, we met at um, Center Tavern. I think it was the first time I saw you. Um, or you, um, Angela's? Or, or no? No, I definitely was Center Tavern. Because I, 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 yeah, I pretty much, I, I remember that day because then I was like, look at this fucking guy's a cop. Like, <laughs> you know, like he, you retired and you're like, this guy's going to try comedy. And like, at first I was like, fuck this fucking guy in my mind, because that's where I would want to be. Like, that's where I want to be right now. When the only thing I could worry about is comedy. Like if I was retired and like, that's the, my first thing is when you're like, oh, I'm retired. I'm doing comedy. And I'm like, fuck this guy, man. I want to <laughs> be retired and do a comedy. Like, you know what I mean? I just want to be doing comedy full time. But then, um, what the fuck was I getting at? Oh, so I didn't know, like when I told you, when I did this research, I didn't know that you rose to the rank of captain. Right. And like what we were just talking about right now, I don't know if you are in tune with like Patterson fucking news, but Patterson PD has been getting hammered by the feds, like the FBI. They've been arresting cops like every year. Like there's just four or five cops that are getting nabbed. The fucking sergeants, I think the police chief, the mayor fucking got arrested or got sent to prison. Like they've been cleaning house like drug dealing cops. Like cops that. Oh, sell I think drugs. I, yeah, I read yeah. that in the in the paper. They record like one of the cops recorded the other cops slapping a mentally ill oh, patient. Oh yeah, yeah, you saw, saw that it, yeah. shit. Like all those. Wasn't that guys. the same kid though? It was the same guy that they arrested for like dealing. Dealing drugs. Yeah, yeah, but he was, was he was part of another ring. Like that was just a video that he was in, but he was part of a whole ring of people that that got fucked up in that. So, my question is for you: Is like, how did you write? Because this applies to anything across the board like in any um like business or anything but like how did you manage to rise through the ranks and avoid all the politics because i mean the north bergen pd has to be similar to fucking patterson pd when you have a lot of fucking money involved and a lot of you know fucking shit going on you know what i mean like how did you manage to avoid all of the politics and all the bullshit well it's all like uh well both towns at least they're civil service towns so to get promoted, you just have to do well on the test, hmm. you know. So it's not like it's not political appointment. There's like towns like um, let's say Sea Caucus, where it's like uh, even just to get hired to get promoted, it's all like political appointment, where you know you, you do, need to know somebody. yeah, you need to know somebody or or whatever. But um, uh, North Bergen's a uh, civil service town, so like to get on the police department, you take the regular state test. Um, same thing with the promotional exams are given mm. by the state of New Jersey. So most ta- most towns are civil service. There, a lot of Bergen counties um, they call those chiefs tests. So um, a lot of Bergen County towns, I think there might only be like five or six uh, civil service towns in Bergen County when there's seventy two towns in Bergen County. So like Bergen County is very political, <laughs> um, but like Hud- County. Hudson County, Sea uh, Caucus and Guttenberg are are not civil service. So every other town in, in um every other town in Hudson County is civil service. So everything is regulated by the state. So you take your entrance exam, if you do well, then they give a list to the departments when they're ready to hire. When you take the sergeant's exam, you're taking it against only guys in your department, but the state grades it. The state sends the list to the department and then uh, they ensure like all the there's certain rules that got to be followed. You can like skip a guy uh, mm-hmm. on the list, but they've got, there's like a long list of things they would have to have to do. Like they'd have to be up on charges. Th- some of the things that you were talking about, whether they uh, slapping fucking yeah doing, stu- yeah doing stuff like that slapping the blood might, on their face might bar you from uh, from getting promoted. So if mm-hmm. you're just going to work and doing your job 
and testing well, um, you don't have to worry about politics in a civil service town. Mm -hmm. If you're in one of these towns that are are chief's test and that are very political, then I, I, I have some friends that work for some departments that they're cops. They're volunteer firemen on the side in the same like town. Um, they do, you know, do all types of things in order to hope to get promoted that have nothing to do with the job, you know. Mm. So that adds a extra level of stress on on them. Dude, I thought you were gonna tell me some fucking Gary V inspirational fucking no. message about avoiding fucking shit, and you basically just told me that becoming a captain was like applying for your license. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you pay, yeah, you gotta pay. But I mean, you're competing against other people that want that spot. Dude, you were the and only one that were was a captain that you were that was promoted in that on class, that day. Right? But uh, the department has four. Uh, Four captains. And you just keep. So. Ro- I keep thinking you're special, and you keep robbing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these fucking things. That's hilarious. There was one spot open. I was uh, number one on the list. I was like, list, look, this so fucking guy's they... all by himself in the class. The only fucking captain. Probably felt so special that day. Did your family come out? Yeah, every yeah, yeah. every time I got promoted, every, everybody was there. Yeah, everybody shows up like a bringer. Yeah, yeah. like a bringer show. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Do they give tickets out for that shit? Like, well, no, we um, so like everybody knows. They like, do it in the to know that it's event that the event's going on. Yeah, they do it. Um, well, for that one, it was it was a lot of it, they used the um, North Bergen Rec Center because uh, when I got made captain, uh, there was 16 people getting promoted. So you have 16 families to fit in there. But when I got promoted to sergeant and lieutenant, like for lieutenant, it was only me and another guy that got made lieutenant. Um, I think there was three or four people promoted on that day. And we just did it in town hall right in the like town chambers because mm-hmm. it was only like you know, three, four families to, to fit inside the place. But, um, yeah, it's no ticket. It's just whoever whoever wants Dude, to come and show up. They make policing so fucking glamorous in Law & Order and, like, SVU, right? Like, if you're just all day driving around in your car, like, looking for bad guys. Well, yeah, shit, it, depends you know what what, like, it depends on what your assignment is. Like, I, I was captain of the detective bureau, and even when I was a sergeant, I was a, I was a, a sergeant in street crimes, which we used to work eight at night till four in the morning. And we uh, we wore plain clothes. Uh, at the time, North Bergen had uh, taxi cabs, so we were cops in taxi cabs. Um, you know, and we doctored it up to look just like the taxi, like Rapido taxi and mm-hmm. shit in our town. So like, you don't know how many times people tried to get in the back of the car. Like, you'd be stopped at a light. You didn't Somebody's give people trying. rides. No, <laughs> <laughs> just tell them, hey, listen, I'm not taking any fares or whatever. Yeah. But you'd be. It have all the hidden police lights and everything in it, but it was a taxi cab, and like that shit was fun. Like you'd sneak; nobody saw you coming. Like you'd sneak up on any anything, like sneak any up on fucking poor on everybody, kids yeah. trying to smoke a little fucking joint in yeah. the fucking car, or yeah, shake the shit people out humping of them. humpers, oh freaking people doing drugs, people selling, and you just roll up and, and humpers have, here. Yeah, they have no uh, no idea. I got humpers here uh, that come up my block. Oh, yeah, because it's yeah, dead end? Because it's fucking dead end. So they come up my block, and I didn't know it until I saw condoms in the street. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me, bro. Like, this is... It's pretty well well lit outside. It's not yeah, even like bro, it's... Uh... No, bro, dude, they don't give a fuck. I came home one day. I, I, bro, it must have been like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. It was an ordinary day. And it was like I came home from work, like, early. And it was like 4.30 by the time I was getting here, like a quarter after four. And there was a um, a, a Tesla, right? Like there was a Tesla, right, in there. And, I, and like when I pull into my driveway, since it's the dead end, I pull up, like I pull past my driveway and then I back in. 
I backed my car into the garage, right? So I pulled up, and because I pulled up, like I kind of like looked at the Tesla, and I see them like scurrying. Like I literally saw the head, the girl's head pop up out of the guy's lap, the scurry, and I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" And I backed into my car, so I start taking pictures with my phone, <laughs> right? And then, sure enough, they freaking um, throw something out the window, and I'm like. They make a U-turn and then they drive away. And I get out of the car and I walk over there and I look on the ground. It's a fucking condom. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I wanted to fucking die right there. I was like, you got to be kidding me, bro. At four in the afternoon. And then I think for like a week and a half, I thought I was a detective. And I, I was like, you know, if I see this <laughs> Tesla, bro, I'm fucking following him. I swear I'm a detective watching too much fucking TV. I got hit and run on fucking Totowa Road. And I'm like barely remember the fucking i was on my way to laugh it up tuesday and i got hit and the dude took off and then turned down the block and i was like oh i thought i was like oh look he's gonna make a u-turn there he goes nope wait he's not turning around oh <laughs> bro where's he going and then these fucking two little fucking wetback kids pulled up on their bikes and they're like yo that guy hit you we saw the license plate i was like all right what's the license plate and they both had different license plate and my where I fucked up was instead of um, like I'm sitting there with my notepad like I'm a fucking reporter for the Daily Planet <laughs> and shit and I'm like hey what where did you see that license plate what's the license plate I should have let them write it instead I whatever fucking broken English that they tried to tell it me it I fucking lost it and I never fucking tracked it down but I drove around I still drive around sometimes looking for like a black fucking pickup truck with a <laughs> with a blue stain on its bumper I already got my car fixed and everything that shit cost me five hundred dollars fucking deductibles because it took patterson police department two and a half hours to respond oh yeah right? well coming from here they probably have you're lucky they dude, even they they even showed up dude i'm in my car <laughs> like fucking um whoever's that fucking bitch that calls the cops what's her name like i'm sitting there like oh, the fuck's taking these guys fucking so long <laughs> i'm like they don't fucking think i have other things to do and then i'm sitting there in my mind then all of a sudden it fucking dawned on me i'm like but I live in Patterson. I call it Patterson yeah, Police. You might as well have just drove there and got, to got the report. report. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drove to the police station. Right? I just told them what happened. Yeah. And they'll just write it they up give and you give a it state, to me. They, they give you something called a state form. You fill oh, it out your damn self and oh, get out. Oh, bro. That's what, <laughs> if I would have known that. Bro, I waited. The cops showed up. And just up, be like, yeah, I need a like, state form. And they hand you a state form and they tell you to get lost. Fucking guy, man. The fucking cop. The cop's like. <laughs> I told the cop. He was like, I'll look at it. And then he was just sitting in his car chilling looking up the license plate, looking up, like, different versions. And then I think he played, like, Candy Crush for a little while. <laughs> and then he came back with the thing. I was like, man, the fucking, I got sideswiped. I swear I'm a detective, bro. You know, I, I, you know, I went to school for criminal justice. Me and my boy were going to try to become state police officers. So I was like, all right, you got to have two years. You have to have your associate's degree yeah. at the time, right? So we're like, all right. So I started going to school, and I, I enrolled in school. <clears throat> I enrolled in school August 7th. It was a day after my birthday. August 7th, I enrolled in school. On August 11th, I was arrested. For <laughs> <laughs> right? And I was a, I, I knew I was fucked because I, as soon as I opened the door and I saw the, the cop there, I knew he was the undercover. That I knew he was the guy I was selling weed to. And I saw him with the badge. I knew I was fucked, right? But I thought it was weed. I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. So I'm going to school, right, to be a cop. And I'm learning about, like, criminal procedure and, like, the intro to criminal justice. I took intro to criminal justice, intro to criminology, and uh, criminal law. 
intro to criminal law. Those are the three uh, criminal justice classes I took. And intro to criminal law, bro, I'm literally going through my case, like, as I'm learning about the fucking procedure that I'm going through. So I'm learning about discovery, and then I'm in discovery yeah. <laughs> in, my, in my case at the same time. It was fucking crazy. I don't think I would have ever made it. Me and my boy both, we were fucking smoking on the way to fucking school. Like, <laughs> I don't know what the hell we were thinking. Yeah, I don't even watch cop shows because all I do is criticize everything they do. So, like, when people who don't know, uh, like, what they're supposed to do. Like, we used to go on jobs and people would be like, aren't you going to take DNA? Aren't you going to do, like, get the fuck out of here. We don't take. division for that, bro. Yeah, we don't have, we don't do any of that stuff. (laughs) And, um, but like when I watch cop shows, I'm like, ah, dude, friggin', they can't do this. You're not supposed to do that. How do you watch movies, bro? I, how do you watch movies? I can't watch, you know, the arrow. You ever see that on, on CW? It's like the, the green arrow. It's the show of like the DC universe comic book. No, there's a green arrow. Well, it's all comic book shows, right? (laughs) So I'm, I'm all for comic book shows, like all of them, all the the movies. Yeah. I'm all for all of them. I grew up on comic books like so hard. So I'm for all of them. I start watching these shows. And for me, I'm not a gun guy. I don't own a gun. I'm not a fucking marksman. I've shot guns a few times. And I'm watching this show. And I had to stop watching it because of the excessive gun scenes. Because they were shooting at each other, but the guns kept hitting the ground, like the bullets. You keep hearing the seeing the sparks on the ground. I'm like, bro, why are these bullets hitting the ground? But they're shooting straight. Oh, that you know or I always count the shots in movies too. So like a guy will have a revolver and they're either five or six shots, shots yeah. and they're taking twenty shots with a five shot <laughs> revolver. Um, you know, so I criticize yeah, every yeah. single thing in in any cop show that or would a cop ruin movie. It for me. Yeah, because yeah. I'm like that now about like just watching like somebody do stand up in a movie. Then I'm looking at it and I'm like trying to look for like the differences in it. And I can't even imagine like actually be like, you, like I have real conversations with people. Like I try to talk to people a bit like about police shootings and things like that. And one of the things people say, and I'm like, again, I'm a fucking layman. I have no idea what I'm talking about. But then you, you hear other people and they're like, yeah, he should have just shot him. Like, why didn't he just shoot the knife out of his hand? No, there's no, you're taught to shoot center mass. Yes. So like- and I'm like, I don't know nothing. Like, I don't know nothing about fucking anything but i know police aren't trained to shoot fucking objects out of your hand they're trying no, to put yeah. you down and that's it if they have to fucking shoot that's yeah you're their... getting shot center mass yes. that's every, every and fucking i mean load. you see like police shootings and they'll shoot 50 shots and somebody will get hit like four times you know so like cops aren't good shots yeah. um and you add the stress level and everything to it like yeah, you at the range when nothing's shooting back at you or there is no threat, mm. you could probably put all your shots and you know you shoot really well, put them all center mass, make a big hole in the target. Once uh, you're out in the street and somebody's shooting back, you're shooting half in the sky and you know shooting down the street past the person. So that's why when you see these cop shootings, there'll be like yeah. fifty shots and there'll only be f- four hits. You know, yeah. something crazy like where the numbers are are sick, like ten percent or. Or less. Yeah, like stormtroopers. <laughs> the way stormtroopers shoot. Like, but why do these stormtroopers even, like, where do they get trained at? They have, like, a million of these soldiers, <laughs> and nobody could hit any fucking thing. These people just stand. Like, they run, and then they stop, they turn around, they shoot, and then they keep running. Like, and I'm like, bro, you would get blasted. Like, I get a false sense of security from that, because I feel like if something ever popped off, I would try to react. Like, I think that's why people die. Like, like... 
it would be a fuck that like I know this is gonna be a fuck that this thing to say, but I wonder if a lot of people die in mass shootings because of their their like grip on reality is not. I think probably a lot of people freeze you know? and they don't know like what the hell's going yeah, on, so bro. they just freeze in place, and the next thing you know, you're like a sitting. There's no duck. time to think. There's no time to think about anything. People are like, oh, I would do this and I would do that. I'm like, but it's no time to think. Yeah. There's literally no time Especially to Especially if you get snuck up on. If you're in the spot where the person... I, I could see if like the person starts making their way down different hallways and stuff, you might have a second or two to think. But like if you're in that room when the person decides, all right, this is the time, then you know, you're know you not prepared for that. Yeah. So you don't have the time. I always assumed that I would be able to just to play dead. Yeah, like, but I think sometimes a lot of them just put rounds just into rounds into to, people that right? are playing possum oh, on the ground. Oh my god, there's no escape. <laughs> there's no escape, bro. See, that's I think we we had fucking got we went completely uh, off the. I think I don't remember if I said it. Like, um, when I talk about suicide, like when I think about myself and I think I say I'm suicidal, like it's not. I don't think about killing myself. Like I think about dying a lot. Like, I don't know about the right. I have like a morbid fucking fascination with just like playing my death out like regularly. In different like, situations or the situations always the same? No, in different situations or just it doesn't even matter like how I die. It's just my death. And then like the aftermath of it, like how everybody's going to feel like, can it like, is it going to be an escape for me? Like I think about like the relief, like you said, the relief, the escapism of like, oh. But the problem is, is I like, number one, I'm a fucking coward, right? Number number two, I am deeply empathetic to like everybody that's left afterwards. And I'm like, oh, how is my daughter going to feel? How's my yeah. wife going to feel? Like, how's my mom going to feel? Like, I've always thought, like, I've always fascinated about it. Like, I don't know, fantasized about it. I'm, I've always fantasized about it in so many different ways, whether it's me killing myself, whether it's me dying in a car accident, whether it's me getting sick, like whether just always like visual thoughts. And then I play it out in my head to the point where I get like upset, where I'll get tears in my eyes, like I get emotional and I'm like, fuck, why am I thinking about this shit? Or I think about like the same shit happening to like my wife or I played out with my daughter, or I played out with like family members. Like I'm like fuck. Like am I sick in the head that I think about these things? And then I heard fucking Gary Vee say that he does that shit on purpose, like to like warm up his fucking gratitude engine or some shit. Like that's what keeps him grateful. Like I I think like crazy happen. shit like that only like um like I'm the guy that has to sit with his back to like the wall or face the door in like a restaurant and stuff like that like um and I may sometimes I make up like some crazy shit in my head like if somebody came in here now or well, this is what I would do but like not to the point that anybody else is like affected I just play it out as like if my family goes to the restaurant guess what I need to sit facing the facing the door or you know where I could see everything only because I feel like I'm the one that's going to jump up and, you know, take somebody on or, or whatever. Um, but not to the point that I, like, play out everyone's uh, death or anything like that. Mm. But um, sick fuck. <laughs> everybody's sick. sick. fucking bastard. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. I like, and, like, I talk about it now um, only because 
like I said, I, I heard Gary V say, and then like I started talking about it, and like I talked about it with somebody I know, and he was like, "Yo, I do the same thing," and like you know, like I'm like, "Really?" He's like, "Yeah, I do it in the car a lot when I'm driving," and I'm like, "Yeah, I do it in the car. I do it in the shower. I do it sometimes in bed, like right before I go to sleep. That's the worst. I hate when I do that. Like if I'm laying in bed and I'm like trying to go to sleep, it's like." I put my head on the pillow. I get like, I'm like, all right, I got a whole day, you know, fucking work. I did all this shit. Oh, I'm going to close my eyes. What if I fucking got hit by a car and we're away to work tomorrow? And then like, oh, God, then I fucking have to play it all out. Like, I'm in a coma for this long. Like, so this is happening. You like, should start writing a movie then. Yeah, write dude. A like, I really start fucking writing a movie in my head about this shit. And then it keeps me up for like 45 minutes. And then like, I'm emotionally spent from it then the next day like i'm like carrying this baggage of pain that isn't real yeah you know what i'm saying like that's the fucked up part about it and then like i i like accrue this baggage you know what i mean like this emotional baggage and then something happens like the fucking kobe death and then it sends me fucking spiraling where i'm like oh now i feel it all like in a hundred times over you know what i mean like look this is what i fear this is what i'm talking yeah. about you know like it's almost like reaffirming reaffirming my fucking well, the way, the way I go to sleep every night is I put on a like I put on a comedy special, whether it be Netflix, YouTube, even if it's old. Like so, um, that way I'm kind of learning and I'm laughing at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. like where it's almost like that's my uh, that that like takes me down. So no, no matter what the what type of day it was or whatever, I'm I need to sleep with the TV on though. I know some people uh-huh. don't need the friggin' TV, yeah. but um. I've always felt fallen asleep with the TV on. Mm. So I put on a, a Netflix special or, you know, Amazon, whatever the hell it is, start watching it, laugh, and that's it. I unwind and, and I'm I'm asleep. So I'm thinking more about how do I learn the format of comedy, like and, and take it that way as opposed to let me turn the light off and be in my stuck in my own head to go to sleep. That mm. that definitely doesn't work for me. So I don't know if you could try that. Or, yeah, no, I I stopped watching TV um in my room, I think in like oh I want to say like 2012 maybe like around there, I we had a TV in the room I think probably like a year before we moved yeah so like around 2014 2013 is when we just stopped watching the TV in the room and was just going to sleep cold. I and, can't do um, that. Yeah. Unless I'm like dead, dead tired. But, I still like to. Um, I still pass out all the fucking time. Who am I kidding? I'm on the couch all the time. Oh yeah. If I sit down, I'll, I'll fall asleep yeah. all, all the time. But um, I, I can't watch. But like to things. physically lay down and say, okay, now it's time to go to sleep. I can't mm. do that. I see. I pass out so much. Like that, my wife doesn't even fucking bother even bringing me to bed. Like I just, <laughs> I'm just there, and then I wake up fucking later on, and I bring myself to bed later on. But it's like you said. Like if I have to sit down. And then most of the time, though, but if I get to that point, like, I'm really fucking tired. If I consciously, like, these days, probably like the last two years, if I consciously bring myself to bed, it's usually like at 8 a.m., 8, I mean, at 8 p.m., 8.30 p.m., I'm going to bed early. I'm tired because usually when I get home from comedy and shit, I, you know, once I hit that garage, it's fucking loud. I pull in and then I come out. And that's why I have, like, this TV set up down here. Because then I just stay down here, have the bathroom, yeah. and then I fucking pass out on the couch here, wake up, and then at fucking five in the morning, I'm upstairs, you know, fucking walking around like a zombie. So I don't even have time to fucking really like sit there and think about it. 
but I don't know. I, I don't know about fucking. Do you still talk to pe- like someone like a therapist? Yeah, you I go. Regular? Yeah, my um, my therapist is actually a retired cop, mm. so like he gets it. I don't have to explain. Um, you know, like you know that cop cop jargon and like uh, there's no explanation involved. Like whatever I say, he gets it because. Mm-hmm. He already knows like the little keywords and uh, things like that, that that we use. So I don't have to like say um to a doctor. Well, this means that, or you know, I don't have to explain it. I just talk, Less you know, talk out loud. Yeah. yeah, that's good. You have that connection. Yeah, I had, I did when I um part of my sentence was in when drug court was going to um was going to rehab. I was talking about this with Dave Namery, like about why I was like easy for me to like speak in public. And it was because oh, from the rooms, from doing the rooms <laughs> and stuff. And like, I was only obligated to go three nights a week to AA meetings or NA meetings. And then I was obligated to do, um, th- I had to do three outpatient and they had like group therapies in there. Plus they had individual therapies. And, um, and one of my outpatients, I started talking to this guy, Andre, and, um, he became my counselor. And then, even when the like my obligation finished, even though I was still like mandated to the court, I had already put in so much time and put in so much work that I, I wasn't obligated to go there anymore. I wasn't obligated to do anything but just report to probation once a month. Like I had gotten down to, you know, the end of the program, but I stayed like I told the court, if the court's going to pay for it, I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I just stayed. I was like, I just want to do these one on one sessions with him so i was doing those once a week just talking and like i was dealing with a lot with um in a relationship that i was in and i was dealing a lot with insecurity and it was coming out with um it was coming out in the relationship um with how i acted towards her and being insecure and like thinking she's doing shit and you know making shit up in my head and like doing you know so talking with him and shit so i haven't talked to somebody in 10 years now 12 years since the program ended 2009 has been since i've like sat down and had that like therapeutic conversation i got insurance and shit but i don't know i don't know if i want to go back like i feel like i have like i mean it's good just uh i mean you have this talking out loud like you, i think you have dude. to talk out loud probably yeah, to, man. to get it out when i have but i think loud- that you need a conversation or a, a go-between you can't like Mm. Just put out an episode and like you do all the talking like you need some sort of feedback feedback and like some sort of sense of normalcy kind of what you're going like going through for someone else to tell you, hey, man, that's normal or I do it like this or this is how I do it. You need some, you know, you need like a two way conversation Mm. as opposed to just putting your feelings out there. Because I don't know if you li- do you listen back to the episode after you. Uh... No, I don't listen. So you basically fucking... just yeah, you just. I sound like a fucking transvestite. Fucking yeah. <laughs> listening to my fucking voice. So like you're worst. yeah, you're, you're getting it out, but I think the real value comes in uh the feedback, like an right? adult conversation. Yeah, you know, like and a lot of times like yeah the like uh with this whole Kobe thing like how I wrote on your page like it really pissed me off like some of these guys with the jokes like they were making cuz they're fucking corny and uh mm-hmm. they're not even good like mm-hmm. you can't like it's just being mean or like brutal to to someone that that lost their life or or whatever so like even when we're out in the at these mics and stuff and you're having like a little conversation back and forth I don't think that's enough because I think you need somebody that you 
respect because a lot of these, a, a lot of people, I don't know if you have the same feeling, but I really don't respect like the ones who made those jokes or whatever. I, mm. I got rid of them on my social media and shit like that. But, uh, they weren't like my friends anyway. I didn't fucking respect them to begin with. Yeah. Um, so like me getting rid of them, it wasn't like you or somebody else that I was close to made a joke and like it hurt me. It was more like, fuck this guy. And uh, mm-hmm. it, and I like um, I was going to respond on some of these things or whatever, but like it's, it's yeah, it's yeah. pointless. So I'm like, let me just get rid of the guy. It's I don't care anyway. I didn't care to follow them. I didn't I don't think they're funny. Even when they're doing regular jokes, I didn't think they were funny. So it was like <laughs> it was no loss to me, you know, like. Yeah. And I think you like, uh, I don't know, you need to have like, I guess, somebody that you respect to have a back and forth, like adult mm-hmm. conversation with, because a lot of times at these mics, it's really not adult conversation. It's no, like, no, I try, sh- like, you 100%, know, 100%, I never try to have a real conversation at a mic. Like usually you're trying to like be as silly as possible to like keep the silliness going and try to keep the silliness, you know, protrude the silliness out. But I think, I think what you're saying is like, is true because what you need is like somebody that can relate, right? Because like when you're in that depression, I think that's when you feel like the loneliness, the loneliest, right? And you feel like you're the only person going through it, and nobody understands, and you know, nobody yeah, like, gets you. Um, after that, after that last podcast thing, like where I I was just talking out loud and saying some of uh, like my feelings. Mm. I had friends like contact me, um, at least three, and they're like, listen, um. I kind of feel the same way. I feel the same way. Like you don't want to, you didn't want to be a cop anymore. They're like in it right now. Like they're stuck in it. They still might have like 10 years. And they're like, I feel just like that. I don't want to do it anymore. Can you give me the number to your therapist? Um, all the people are like, Hey, what, sh- what should I do? Or like, because I heard you speaking, I'm going to try and find a hobby, like things like that. So people, awesome. people are like, people are listening or like you might be touching someone and you don't even you don't even know it. Like uh, I had a I I sat through a presentation when I was in Scotland. I had, I went to Scotland for for ten days in like a police exchange program, and there was a guy doing a presentation on in Scotland. Though they don't have guns, so like when this guy wanted to kill himself, he went to a bridge to go jump off a bridge, and he wanted to kill himself. But um, there, because you don't have a gun, you basically just trying to harm yourself. Here in the United States, when a cop feels stressed out or whatever. The first thing they do is they're taking your gun. You might not have, you might not have the, um, the sense to like, you're going to kill everybody or kill yourself or whatever. You just know that you need help. You don't feel well, but they just take your gun and they actually make you feel kind of like, like something's wrong with you or like, like you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. like you're a criminal or whatever. Um, and not that the cop needs the gun to be a man, mm. but you need the gun to do your job. So what they do is they take your gun and guess what? You're sitting in a basement somewhere filing paperwork when really you're just like, shit, I just needed to talk to somebody to, to get help. Um, but you don't realize that you're impacting people when, when you like speak out loud and they might be holding it into themselves, but they're like, shit, at least somebody else feels like that. And I feel just like, like this person. And luckily I had a couple friends like actually pick up the phone Instead of just dealing with it and letting that shit snowball and get worse and worse, they picked up the phone and they're like, listen, can you help me? Can you give me that number that you were talking about? So when you do things like this or you, you put stuff out, you have no idea how many people like you're touching or some, they might not even tell you that's that, you know, unfortunately, like mm-hmm. you might save somebody's life or get, get them the help that they want, but they never come back and tell you, but it was something that you said that sparked something in them. 
yeah. you know, to go, to go get help. That shit feels amazing. Like, I've had people that have DM'd me and said, oh, you talked about this and, you know, or you said this and, you know, like, I know, like, I know what you're talking about. And I'm like, wow, I never thought, like, I see the interact with these people or people I went to high school with or something. And I'm like, never would have thought. I'm like, wow, you're listening to my fucking podcast yeah. or something? Like, you know, like, I got, like, 10 listeners. <laughs> I'm like, I never would, like, like you said, just that one person that relates. Like, you doing that podcast. Who knows? I don't know, like, what... Uh, you know, the metrics or whatever that person's podcast is, but however big that podcast is, like you do it, you have that conversation and you never expect anything from it. You do it because you have the conversation and then you come back. And if something like that happens, like somebody's hitting you up, Hey man, I listen to it. And like, you get that emotional connection from just a conversation, like that power of the conversation and other people being able to listen. That's why I think this, these platforms are like, so, big like well people just need to i think feel that they're in the same boat because like like you talk about you taking your break from social media or whatever on social media everything's perfect like whatever people want to give you like uh i got friends that they're in the most loving relationship ever right but they're doing shit on the side and um but their life is perfect right they're fucking they're buying their uh, wives and uh, girlfriends and shit cars, and we just bought a house and all that shit. But you know, behind the scenes, like the whole thing's falling apart. Um, you got people that only po- like they only post their wins. You know, that's what what it is. So like, I even when um, when my kids don't succeed, let's say or whatever, or they were in a tournament and they didn't do well. Guess what? I'm still posting what they did because they got to learn that. Hey, I'm not only going to post you when you score 35 points in a basketball game mm. when because uh, they, they like when uh, people think I'm like whatever, like um, bragging or, or whatever. But my kids actually like when I I'm like the stat man, like when they when they're playing games, I'm keeping all the stats for basketball, baseball, whatever the hell they do. I'm keeping the stats and then I post them and then they repost them and they, they brag. Hey, I scored 35. But guess what? If you score four. The same way you want to brag and have me post that you scored 35, I'm putting your four-point shit up there too, like mm-hmm. on my story or, or whatever. And it, it can't just always be, you know, wins. Or like um, I'll put like my son's basketball games, I'll put a big L like on – they'll have like their stats <laughs> on the – I was doing that. They, they'd have like their stats, points, rebounds, all that stuff. Yeah. And on the top, I put W or L. And guess what? Your big fat fucking L goes on the top. You yeah. you lost. Yeah, uh, um but it's it just like you can't it can't all be good so like no. people see all this good and only good on social media and then they, they think that they're behind when like yeah that guy that just posted about the brand new car fucking they're gonna repossess it in three months Nothing or like you know like shit like that you don't know yeah. you know you don't know what the hell is going on behind the scenes but um you know people are like they think they're behind or they need to hurry up and compete mm-hmm. or they're like i need to hurry up and get a job i need to hurry up and get a car or a house when you don't know if that person like someone they got an inheritance someone died or you don't yeah. you don't know anything don't know but like people just post w's and how about that's this? it you don't know if that guy saved and worked his ass off for three fucking years yeah. and, and ate shit and did everything and you're over here because you just see him drive by and you want the same car but you've done fucking nothing to like that was me all the time 100% before social media that's why I don't blame social media because all these insecurities and stuff, I had them growing up. As high school, I used to see kids in their Lexuses and shit like that, that their parents helped. And I'm sharing a car with my mom. Like, I don't have a car during the day because yeah. my mom's at work. I only get a car at night when she gets home. Like, 
You know what I mean? And other people are driving Lexuses. And you think, you put the onus, like, oh, this kid's so great, right? And then, meanwhile, like, two years out of high school, he commits suicide because, you know, he had a fucking shitty-ass fucking childhood, mm-hmm. right? He had, his fucking parents bought him that car, but that's about the only attention they'd ever showed him in fucking 17 fucking years. You know what I mean? Like, you never know the story, but, like, you make these stories about what you see other people doing in your head. And, like... I struggle with, like, the only posting positive stuff on social media. Like, I post a lot of positive stuff that I try to tell myself to be, like, fucking happy and to be, you know, things I'm thinking in my head that I want to express, like, because that's how I'm feeling. Those are how I'm, like, moving. But then when I'm down, when I'm depressed... It's the opposite. I just don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to share anything. Like, there'll be day like, on, especially, like, on the weekends. On the weekends, it's more because I just want to spend time with my family. I don't feel like fucking spending all the time creativity and fucking editing photos and videos and shit and doing all that shit takes a long fucking time. But other than that, like, during the week and stuff, like, if I'm having a bad day and stuff, like, I don't want to get on because I don't want to complain because then I make fun of people that use facebook and shit as their diary and shit you know what i mean and like then i'm trashing them but meanwhile i only come here to sell you my wins but i don't never complain on facebook but i tell everybody you have to be real but if you do complain on facebook then i'm like why do you think facebook's your diary bro like (laughs) like i'm such a fucking hypocrite you know fucking cashier at target and stuff yeah like why are you fucking complaining about this shit i use my social media like the the, my private, like you're on my private one or, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, my personal one. But I use that more as just like, if you go on my, my private Instagram page, it's a it's like an ode to my kids. Like every single post is about my, like you don't have me, you're not going to find me in a picture on there, like unless it's with them or something like that. Like uh, I, it's not, it's not um, like personally driven. It's all about the kids. Yeah. And a lot of it is. But that's you, like that's your life. That's, yeah, but it's like. I'm I struggle with saying things like out loud to to people like like um people that I love let's say like to share my feelings so I'm a really good writer in in my opinion mm-hmm. um so when I do those posts like with my kids and stuff I always thought especially when I was at work like if anything were to ever happen to me then my kids could go back and look at all my posts and read like those are my true words like I may mm-hmm. not have been able to say that face to face to them and I still struggle with saying things face-to-face to to them other than like, hey, man, good job or, you know, uh, basically that's about it. Um, But that's just the way I bottled up my feelings for so long that I struggle with saying them out loud to like the people that I love. But I was able to write it down. So I was like, hey, if anything ever happened to me at work, uh, you know, or if I die or whatever, they can always go back and read like, hey, this is what this is how he felt on this, you know, this day and, and things like that mm. uh, when he really couldn't say it. But this is how we felt like, mm. you know, or how I felt, because a lot of times you leave like you had your issue with your with your father. I I I'm pretty sure he loved you. Right. So, like, if you could have had a book of just his yes. thoughts, like even though he's fucked up yeah. or like even though he's struggling and he wrote something down to you and you'd be like. All right, I get. And now that you're an adult, you could understand how mm-hmm. adults like life fucking consume some people sometimes, yeah. and like you, sometimes you can't get out of the out of the trap. So like, if he were to able were able to take a book and write it, write, write down it his down. thoughts and feelings, then you could say, "Hey, would listen." Have been the most valuable thing yeah. I would have owned. You could be like, "Hey, listen." It would be. You know, 100%. things were fucked up, but like 
I understand now as an adult that he got trapped. He couldn't he couldn't get out of the situation mm-hmm. he was in. Yeah. And it takes you time and it takes you your own struggle to appreciate somebody else's struggle. So like you struggling and going through some of the shit that you went through with like the arrest and whatever else that you struggled with, even growing up that time from six years old to being an adult, it's not till you become an adult and you're like, fuck, now I got to pay the bills. Now I got a kid. Now I got fucking uh, my wife on my back. Now I got, uh, you know, whatever. Like Mm -hmm. I lost my hobby or like you start to realize that everybody struggles and that you can have the appreciation for, you know, your parents that struggled. That's the way I think about it because – a lot of times I grew up and I I would be like, ah, oh, my fucking parents, they won't buy me fucking Jordans. They won't buy me this and that. And everybody, like you're talking about the kid with the cars and all that mm. stuff. My parents wouldn't get me a car. I had to buy my own fucking car when I got a license. My first car was 350 bucks. Um, they wouldn't put me on the fucking insurance. <laughs> so I had to go out and get my own yeah. fucking insurance. Um, I had a lesson. job from when I was 14 years old. But most of the time I used to be like, man, fuck this. Like all these other kids get everything they want and I get nothing. And then you grow up and you realize, hey, um, you know, they, they struck. Yeah, they, they were struggling. They, two of them had to work. I was like a regular, you know, latchkey kid. I was I grew up in Jersey City. Mm-hmm. So like and the, the hood Jersey City, not not today's Jersey City, <laughs> like fucking crack epidemic Jersey City. Yeah. I grew up in. So like where you good thing they didn't get me the fucking Jordans. People were getting killed in the street for fucking Jordans, you know, Holy not shit. that they were thinking, uh, oh, we want to save him and not. Not let them get robbed for sneakers. They were more like, fuck you. You don't need those fucking sneakers. Dude, it's funny that you say that about the, um, like, if my dad were to write down, because I thought the same thing. I was like, man, if my dad had, like, kept a journal, like, like, if I had, you know, now, obviously, we have videos. There's, like, fucking thousand videos of me online. You can just hear me talk whenever you fucking want. Right, but like, there's nothing on my dad. My dad has an online reputation score. He's got a low online reputation score. I'm like, damn, they even they even think my dad's a loser now. Like, <laughs> and he's fucking been dead for thirty years. But um, like, I thought about that, and then I I started one. Like, I keep a journal to my daughter. Like, just I write just to her, from like like a journal, like almost like just hey to you, and I talk to her like if she's an adult, like not a kid. Yeah, I'm talking to her about what I'm going through, like life. And stuff like that. Just like, even if, you know, I try not to be like real fucking heavy about her about like my problems and shit, but I talk about like the things I'm going through, like things how she's developing and how she's becoming, like the things I'm learning about her and stuff. And it's just so that when she gets older, because one of my fucking morbid um, things in my head is that I'm going to die before she, you know, gets to know me as an adult she's gonna have to go through the same shit i did and um so i like want her to have that something from me like you said that she has my voice something that you know she can hear directly from me that the way i felt about things the way i thought of things and she could kind of like almost have my voice in her head like as fucking growing up there's a really good documentary uh that guy that played for the saints um Mm. he got als uh Steve something is his name, but he did the same thing because he got ALS and because it was going to deteriorate his voice and everything else. When he found out, he started doing a video diary to uh, his kid because his wife just got pregnant when he got diagnosed. Mm. And um, oh, it's fuck. like, I think I saw that. I think I know what you're talking about. I think it, I'm I think it might be on Showtime or something like that. Uh, yes. But it's the guy that blocked the punt. And uh, after he Hurricane Katrina fucking blocked the, with his neck, the first um, yeah, the first game back, he blocked the punt or something like that 
and then he wound up getting ALS. But the documentary is all about that, like him making a like a living diary to to his kid before Damn, what his like uh, what you call deteriorated. Name? What team That's, was he on? He was on the Saints. Saints yeah, he was on his the name Saints, Steve right? something. Yeah, because then all that stuff happened with Louisiana. I remember that shit. That but the uh, documentary up. is really deep. Like you know, you, you gotta have a box of tissues when uh, when you're watching it. I don't want to fucking. But that was his whole. Um, that was his whole deal. Was like he's gonna wind up a vegetable, and you know, he wants his kid later on to see you know what what how he was feeling, what what he thought, and it was just a full um, you know what you call. Yeah, because that fucking poor kid. By the time he gets. He's already man, like that. He's already, up, um, right? yeah. He's a he's a mess already. Man. Oh man, that's fucked up. That was not that long ago, right? When was Katrina? Two thousand four, two thousand six. Yeah. Oh yeah, maybe five or six. No, because Bush was president. Katrina. So when did Obama get elected? Two thousand eight. So yeah, two thousand six around there. Yeah, man, that was fucked up. Man, I remember that story. That fucking poor bastard it was like the whole fucking place is like the deteriorating right it was right after katrina yeah Yeah, like they're fucking trying to rebuild and then they have this guy's story at the same time i remember that fucking story yes that documentary was fucked up because they still had footage from like when people were camping out and fucking yeah they lived in the stadium actually a lot of people in the superdome yeah man that shit was fucked up damn bro we did a fucking hour and 20 minutes let's wrap this fucking bitch up (laughs) we'll go upstairs and watch wrestling dude we got um hell yeah this friday this friday yeah, that's right. um, that's uh, Josh and uh, Aaron's show. So they basically you're a fucking part. Do you own Wawa Social Club? Are no, you I fucking, wish. Are you a I'd knock it there? down <laughs> and then put something else there. <laughs> That'd be the Why first thing I did. Knock it. it down and build a new one. No, um, I love that place, man. That, that what you're doing there, um, and just opening that spot up for comedy, it's fucking, it's awesome. The the keg for ten dollars, all you can fucking drink, and people keg, still complain. Man. Bro, people complain about everything. You yeah, can't make like it, happy, you can, you're gonna come somewhere, ha- see comedy, live fucking and comedy friggin' drink and get fucking hammered for ten bucks. For ten, and bucks. people still complain, dude. Or I'm, I caught people the last show, fucking buying one cup and sharing, sharing it. it. Like, huh, come on, come on man, dude. I'm on the show. I'm performing on the show, and I'm bringing ten dollars cash <laughs> because regardless, I don't care if I'm not getting a cup or if I'm getting a cup. I want a cup of fucking beer, and I'm drinking. That's it. I can't wait. I'm really excited. Um, so that's uh, hell yeah, is their shit. Yeah, um, base. I'm a member of that of that uh, social club. So they had that pool league upstairs that kind of folded. We still need to get the pool tables out. The guy needs to come get the pool tables. So they needed to like repurpose the room. And I was like, oh, perfect. I got the perfect idea. Like, cause they need to bring in money to um, you know, to keep the place open. So. I was like, hey, we'll throw comedy shows up here and, and do that. And I was like, the whole keg idea, I know that a lot of comedians don't have much money. And where are you going? $10, like some of the other places make you buy a drink or two anyway two that you're almost $10 in anyway. So at least you go home hammered. Yep. Um, and nobody's getting rich off of it. Like uh, I know I heard some people like acting like as if I'm making money or whatever. The house gets the Dude. money. Um, and uh, the first two comedy keggers that I did at the Wawa – I lost money. So, um, you know, like to hear people like it just pisses me off. But Dude, don't listen um, to it's just the spot. Like I thought it was a perfect spot, almost like a comedy clubhouse. Nobody's going to bother you in there. 
Um, even when we do the open mics, you're not going to have like some drunk heckler or whatever. Like we might heckle each other, yeah. but like, you know, you even go to the, you do, do the bar dude. shows and people are like, what the fuck? Do. Nobody told me there was comedy here yeah. or they don't want any part of it. Even you know? if you do have drunk hecklers, bro, where we're at in the state, I can't stand. Like I don't, there's people I just don't talk to just because we're like all at the same level. If you have three, four, five years, six years, like that's cool. But we're all at the same level. We're all still going to open mics. We're all still doing the same thing. We all get booked on the same shows. Like, I don't think I'm better than anybody else. And the margin that we are better or worse than each other is not fucking nothing compared to what the margin of the people that are doing it and what we are. So what anything that anybody's bickering over here is so stupid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's what, a ho- for me it's a hobby. It's like yeah, something yeah, yeah. to do like I'm not trying to You're I'm not trying to get comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not like trying comedy. to get rich. I'm not like you're obviously not going to get rich from this. I'm not mm. trying to get famous from it. It just gives me a little outlet and then because I have such OCD you love comedy. I tried it and then I'm like I got to make this better. I got to get better. I got to and it's almost like challenging myself. It's a mm-hmm. hobby that that is challenging to me. It's not like like you said I, I don't think I'm I'm not better than anybody. I, I actually think I'm fucking horrible. So um, I don't think I'm above anybody. My whole thing was like, hey, let's get this spot. Let's, you know, work shit out in, in this room at the, at the mm. mics. Let's throw our own little shows where the bars aren't like the bars quite honestly take advantage of of like these shows. Even the people that throw shows or whatever you get like, uh, oh, and I, I pay the comics. Too so like we've gone we've uh, we've all done shows where you're not getting any money like yeah. where the bar is making money or, or whatever so yeah <laughs> so even like if if you're getting ten or fifteen bucks for your ten fifteen minutes where else are you going to get yeah. some of these people are not employable no. for uh, sixty dollars an hour for sure, so bro. if you if you you know did a full hours worth you nobody's worth sixty dollars an hour that we hang out with people complain for nothing. And literally all the only thing we should all be looking for is just another place to do comedy, like another place to have a crowd, another place. But I go to open mics and it's all the same comics and no crowd like I don't care. Like that's like nobody hears. I always feel bad, though, doing the same like material like where i'm yeah i'm trying to work it out but uh, unfortunately i keep working it out in the same circle it. that we're that we're in but it just makes me feel like uncomfortable i'm like fuck they heard this already and then like yeah. i mean it forces me to try something else but i didn't perfect uh you know no, man, what keep, else i was trying keep hammering it that's my weakness is i don't do the same shit over and over again like i'm always doing new shit because i get tired of saying the same shit but i never I wouldn't get tired of it if out. I did it in front of different people all the time. That's why mm-hmm. every once in a while, like, I'll go to the city or I'll, like, go somewhere. Like, I went to um, um, the Elazar you were talking about before. Mm-hmm. I went I went down to his spot one, one night only to, like, I'm like, I got to do this. I want to do the same thing and get it better, but I want to do it in front of different people, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, people don't realize how much, well, re- uh, I mean, comics understand, but, like, my friends think, like, you you just go up there and, and just say whatever's on your mind and you're funny. They think Dave Chappelle just fucking grabs yeah. a microphone. I mean, I'm sure he I does, but like he just grabs a mic and just starts. Yeah. That's how he does. Like the, as if that's the com- of his comedy it. special, he didn't practice it for a year. Yeah, you know. So that's like people don't understand how much work it, and repetition goes into and changing one or two words or a sentence makes a is difference. like a huge difference. Yeah. It makes such a difference. Yeah, man, it's gonna be fun. February 7th, Hell Yeah Comedy, Wawa Social Club, North Bergen. 
ten dollars. It's fucking free to go in the door, but then you pay ten dollars and you get a fucking cup and you get like a keg and then you just walk around going Frank the tank, Frank the tank. That's all. Anytime somebody has a crack, that's all I think of is fucking old school. But that's it, bro. Thanks, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks, brother. Um, where can they reach you at? Uh, Arrested Development Comedy on uh, Instagram and that's basically it that's the only thing I I run that's my regular page awesome man thank you so much for doing this appreciate you thanks my dude All right, man have a good one everybody Peace. peace